slightly later than planned, but seeing out the year, welcome to Hand of Pot. Welcome one and all to episode 415 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello. In his living room. Uh, by Santi. Hi guys. And by Andres. Hello, welcome. Also so, in my living room. Yes, also, also all in Dan's living room. Yes. Um, Santi is joining us on this very special occasion. I assume you've, have you finished work now for the year? Um, I quit actually. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> you had it here first, people. As, as if you needed proof that this wasn't scripted. Um, <laughs> we will get the details off Santi about that afterwards then. Um, but this is probably going to be the last episode of Hand of Pod of 2021. There are, I mean, really, in terms of Hand of Pod terms, there are kind of two big or semi big matches still to be played, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to record next week to do them. So, what are those matches? First of all, uh, the first of them, or the most important of them in, in terms of importance rather than of uh, chronological order, is happening on Tuesday evening next week, and that is Barracas Central versus Quilmes in the final of the Primera Nacional playoffs. Uh, Quilmes got a 1 0 win over Ferro with a Pretty controversial penalty in the in the semi-final. And I mean, it's not controversial. It's universally agreed that it was not a penalty. Indeed. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and are you really sure? I, I think the match will be played, but Ferro uh, released a letter uh, in which they asked. Yeah, there are some the results. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's not those, those never, those, those never go. Although uh, you had to replay every match. When although I, I don't know if you, you never get anything. <laughs> Well, Dan, I don't know if you heard before, but I think this game was supposed to be held on Sunday. Yeah, it was. I think, but it was yeah. was pushed forward. You know why? That that, that was the case. No, nothing gets surprise. I mean, there's no official reason, but um, you know, Fernando Valenzuela, who is Barracas uh, Central's best player, mm-hmm. exactly, has you contracted COVID, uh-huh. and he will be fit by Monday. And he's Barracas Central's best player. Mm. Okay. Um, Barracas Central got through with a 3-2 win over Almirante Brown. I, I mean, just to clarify, those were both second leg results. Uh, the first legs of both ties finished in draws, 0-0 uh, between Almirante Brown and Barracas Central, and 1-1 between Ferro and Quilmes. So we're going to have to wait at least another year before we finally get to see Australian Downs uh, team grace the top flight. But Barracas Central versus Quilmes, the forces of evil versus... <laughs> Kilmes. Uh, <laughs> the forces of lesser evil. Yeah, it's cause. Um, so that one's on Tuesday evening, and then tomorrow evening, uh, Saturday, not really evening, even it's just Saturday night, isn't it? Quarter past nine kickoff uh, is River Plate versus Colón de Santa Fe in the Trofeo de Campeones de la Liga Profesional. Now you might be thinking, but River are the only champions of the Liga Profesional so far. But you're forgetting that there was the Copa de la Liga Profesional 
which isn't a league, and yet for some reason the winners of it still get to play in this ridiculous made-up trophy anyway. Um, that's being played in Santiago del Estero on Saturday night. The holders are still racing for 24 hours. Technically speaking, yep, the holders are racing because this is, uh, I mean, technically it's the first edition of a new trophy, but in actuality it's the second edition of the thing that Racing won when they beat Tigre yes. on the 14th of December 2019. Chacha Cadet's last game in church before Becker City took over. Oh, was it? It was. Oh, okay. He signed off with a trophy. And it was wow. now Wales' first trophy as a Racing fan outside of the wing. Because he did have a league win inside the wing. So we say a special title for you. Yeah, why not? And hence why you've never quite forgotten it, Dan. Indeed. <laughs> um, that one was played in Madrid Plata, so this one's going to be played in a slightly Estadio Madrid is newer nice. stadium, at least. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether I can say nicer because I've not been to it, but it, warmer. The, the pictures. I mean, it, it looks a lot warmer. Yeah. I mean, it does look pretty good. I mean, it still has a running track, which means it's a little further away from the from the terraces that you would like to but, but there has still to be a, pretty nice there has to be a big important stadium somewhere in the country with a running track now that River have got rid of theirs doesn't it? you think so, yeah, yeah. Um, makes sense in case the Olympics ever goes to Santa Rita indeed and I think we mentioned actually last week that the continuity candidates have won River's elections didn't we but yes um, I imagine that that fact means that those big sponsors boards are quite soon going to be filled in with seats now no Fingers uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think uh, I, I think there weren't going to be filled with seats. I mean, people who listen who listen to every episode of Hand of Pot and have exceptional memories, I think, might be able to remember me from about ten years ago saying that there would be few stadiums in world football more awesome than the Monumental if they took the seating right down to to the front. And they're actually yeah, I think the the plan is to have almost almost eighty thousand, eighty five thousand people. Absolutely awesome. Um, anyway. Let's move on with the results of last weekend in the Liga Profesional. The last weekend. The last weekend, yeah. Um, Platense 3, Beres Sarsfield 2. And as if that wasn't enough for your Friday evening, Estudiantes de la Plata 2, Aldo Civi 3. Patronato 0, Gimnasia 0. Getting things off to a slightly duller start on Saturday. Union 3, Colón 0. Argentinos Juniors 2, Sarmiento 0, Rosario Central 1, Huracan 4, and Racing 2, Godoy Cruz 1. Those uh, five matches were the five that were all played simultaneously on Saturday. Just realised I need to look up the year-round table on Promiendo so we can let people know who qualified for what. Atletico Tucumán 1, River 1, um, Boca Juniors 8, Central Cordoba de Santiago del Estero 1 on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, San Lorenzo beat Newell's Old Boys 3-2 in the Nuevo Gasometro. Defensa y Justicia got a 2-1 win over Lanús, which means they finished second um, in the table. Tacheres lost 2-1 at home to Independiente. And on Monday night, Banfield and Arsenal de Sarandí to bring the season to a close gave us an absolutely barnstorming 0-0 draw. Talk about an anti-climax or... Perhaps a completely appropriate climax. Yeah, I mean, probably not the most surprising one, given it was Banfield versus Arsenal. Now, Banfield really should have won it from the very little that I saw of it. But they um, said, then let's put a, a, a game to finish the season. Yeah, we're going to go off yes. with some fireworks. Yeah. The worst two teams in the league. So as <laughs> we're in a completely meaningless match. <laughs> as I've mentioned, Defensa y Justicia therefore get their best ever uh, league finish. I won't say the best ever season because, of course, they won the Sudamericana. Joint best. Two, yeah, yeah. They, they, they also finished second to Racing. 
Yeah, they fought of their titles. They, yeah, they yeah. fought their title until like two to Max yeah, yeah. Breyer. Yeah. Yeah. Until the penultimate match, yeah. So they've got two second place finishes in the last three leagues. Yeah. Yeah. So in fact And both under Bekas's. It's probably feeling slightly ordinary for them, because the point I was going to make, before you reminded me that they had done it before, mm-hmm. was that for most clubs in the country, finishing second is like a big deal. Yeah. I mean certainly River and Boca and I would say probably Racing and Independiente you'd really struggle to name years in which those teams have finished second because none of their fans care mm. and the press don't particularly care who finishes second but most of the rest of the time like most of the other teams it's a bit of a celebration in itself Yeah. Um, and really after Tacheres spent so much of the season either top or after that defeat to River what eight matches ago or so, or so hot favourites to finish second uh, this is a bit of a trivia question in the making, I think, in the future. Possibly. Second yeah. in the very first season of the Liga Profesional. Um, yeah. Tacheres finished third, uh, just a point behind Defensa. What an anticlimax for Tacheres. I mean, the. But Tacheres have Libertadores and Defensa Justicia don't. They have to. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the. Yeah, that's what they can go home to. But uh, Tacheres have finished second in the tournament and finalists of the Copa Argentina. That is a little bit of an anticlimax, considering that they fought all the way, almost all the way, at least for both uh, both competitions. Mm. Still a very good season. Absolutely, very yeah. Good season. A historic uh, season for the series. Just bear with me while I get the Primera table for the year up so that we can run down the full list of who's qualified for what. We, of course, gave you the preview of this last weekend. Um, but just to remind you, Riber... Uh, Colón and Boca all qualified by virtue of winning trophies for next year's Copa Libertadores also in next year's Copa Libertadores uh, this was all already decided before last weekend were Vélez, Tacheres and Estudiantes as the finishers in second, third and sixth places in the year-round table um, the places in the Sudamericana Defensa Justicia, Independiente, Lanús and Banfield uh, down in 17th were all already confirmed as taking place in the 2022 Copa Sudamericana and those five simultaneous matches on Saturday meant that Racing joined them finishing 10th mm-hmm. in the 2021 annual table and Union thanks to that 3-0 win over Colón in the Clásico joined them as well in the Sudamericana so it's a bit of a shame that Tony can't make it really because he was unsurprisingly pretty happy with that match and I think, therefore, that it's the match we're going to begin with. Me and Tony were very happy, yes. We were sending many ma- messages of smug self-congratulations uh, back and forth. If you... Um, I mean, supposedly, according to, to Sofa Score, anyway, Colón seems to have had the better chances in the Santa Fe Classico, but having watched a decent chunk of the second half, I can't really remember I must admit I didn't watch it because my attention was elsewhere but (laughs) Tony says they're the best team ever to set foot on an Argentine football pitch so (laughs) who am I to argue? I I thought Union pretty much I mean the second half as I say is what I caught and and they they basically managed it very well from that point they were already 2-0 up and kept Colón at arm's length and then got the big goal right at the end four minutes into stoppage time to send the place wild and give everybody a bit of a party at the end of the game lovely so well done, Union. Congrats. Um, yes. yes. Racing Godoy Cruz, Dan. 2 1 win for Racing. Job done. Feeling any more optimistic about. Mm, not really. About um, management, Gago's management and 
life in 2022? Well, you know, I've always been a cautious supporter, like after the horror of, of PCN, we'll be there. Uh, at least we see occasional threats of uh, playing something that looks like football. Um, but it's still very ropey, very, um, very fragile. And I think this last game sort of summed it all up. Um, of course, it was uh, dominated by the fact it was Lisandro Lopez's uh, last match for Racing. He's either retiring or going to Sarmiento de Junín, um, depending on how he feels. Um, and how, how are you going to tell the difference? It's, yeah, it's you know, <laughs> a difference without a distinction or a distinction without a difference. I can't remember which one it is. Um, he actually came off in the 15th minute, um, which I thought was an interesting move, you know, in a game... Oh, matching his shirt number. Kind of like a John Terry-esque kind of exit. I mean, considering it wasn't a dead rubber at all and Racing had to win really to to get into a place which was going to give him a decent amount of dollars which could be very important next year. You know, I mean, I do appreciate the fact that sentimentality is so strong. That just overrides every other consideration. If I'd been managing, yeah, yeah. I might have been like, I'm going to bring him off with 15 minutes to go. <laughs> to see yeah, yeah. Who knows. Or you bring him on with 15 minutes played of the second half. Mm. I don't know. Something. If you, yeah, there, if you there are other ways you could have uh, dealt yeah. with that, considering that uh, Lisandro is probably your best forward. But you say that, but it turned out to be a masterstroke because his <laughs> replacement, uh, Javier Correa, um, 10 minutes after the substitution uh, scored his first goal but resting ahead uh, Gole Cruz I think scored almost instantly afterwards uh, and it really did feel like one of those days but Racing came back in Correa got another goal uh, just after half time and that was enough you know barring a couple of fairly shaky moments uh, to send Racing through so it's a Fernando Gago masterclass a Gago masterclass I think that was his first home win that's um, just as well the, just as well that Correa did get that second goal because if Racing had only drawn no they would have been out then they would have been out they'd have finished on the same point as Argentinos Juniors but with inferior goal difference yes um, so I mean, I'm Correa guessing delivered some, that's what we can say I'm, gu- I'm guessing there were some squeaky bums at half time very squeaky bums they, they, they qualified to the Sudamericana because they had better goal difference than other team no, no they, they finished two points ahead they ah. finished two points ahead of Argentinos so if ah. Correa hadn't scored that second goal and it finished 1-1 it would be Union ah, okay. and Argentinos in 10th and 11th rather than Racing in 10th and 11th although I think at half time Argentinos was still tied so they were for yes because they scored in the 80th and 90th minute oh wow so Racing were always in Mm. the qualification places on the last day but yeah the win was pretty important Um, we have to go to La Bombonera next where Boca in a warm up for the really prestigious match that's been played this week the Copa can't remember exactly the name. Maradona Maradona Cup. The, 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 the kind of matches that you really love. I yes, think. indeed. Yeah, in where was it played? Somewhere Arabic. In Riyadh. Yeah, in, in Riyadh, Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, That's why the the t-shirts had their. Yeah, I assumed that it was being played at Camp Nou, and then I noticed the Arabic on the back of the t-shirt, <laughs> and then looked a bit more closely at the TV, and was like, yeah, that doesn't look. Yeah, like it, Camp if Nou. it if it wasn't in 
blatant enough the cash grab for for that game. Yeah, um, but anyway, yeah, Boca won the trophy. They, they did, yeah, and in, in classic Boca style too. Yeah, and to, to round off a really fantastic year for Barcelona as well as an institution. Just what they got strength to strength in twenty twenty one. But in warming up for that match, Boca did field a pretty much full strength. Oh no, it wasn't at all full strength. What am I talking about? So you can see how much attention I paid to the pre-match was quite stuff. Similar I or, or the same team you say that, that I think Boca's second string team is actually better than their first. Well, their first team. Yeah, that's, that's funny. You get Fabra and Visha and all those players. Have you noticed that, that when uh, Bataglia began to play with a more established starting lineup, yeah. Boca crumbled? It's because the established starting lineup spend half the week out getting pissed and then turn yeah, but training. yeah, yeah. But the thing is, Batalia, Batalia is very clearly putting his whole trust on the wrong players. It seems so, but or, then that has something to do with the contracts, I guess. Like you're paying these guys so much, yeah. and probably does is you have to play them. Yeah, you, you think there might be some pressure from above to feel these players. I think the other thing with, with Boca, though, right, is that we we've talked before here about how. River have a bit more of a, a reputation historically for, for actually bringing players from the youth ranks into the first team than maybe Boca. It's not that Boca don't do that, but, but they have, you know, yeah, Boca they, just they let them go. Pepper it with signings yeah. a bit more. But Boca's, what, what that means that we sometimes overlook that actually Boca do have a, a really decent youth system. Yeah, not only yes, that, they don't make yeah, less but, use and not only that, but the whole, you know, logic behind uh, backing Bataglia to take charge of the team is was at least uh, in theory to uh, promote some of these yeah, of in the first that. team and that hasn't exactly happened hmm. I think even the team regressed a little bit back to where they were in the in the Miguel Angel Russo days because of the kind of the same reasons Miguel Angel Russo was eventually sacked yeah so well um, the the starting line against Central Cordoba was Javier Garcia in goal obviously um, right back Eros Mancuso, who was one of the players, uh, one of the fullbacks who played when that they, match in the first yeah. half of the year when they had like nine players out with COVID or something. It was no, yeah, because, they, because the, 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 the first team could not get into the country because of uh, the Atlantico right, yeah. incident. Because of yes. the, the quarantine and stuff after that. Yeah. Uh, and I remember that because I remember the fullbacks being called Eros and Valentin, <laughs> which I just thought was Very um, centre-backs Lisandro Lopez Carlos Zambrano and according to my live score out they were the two worst players on the pitch which pretty much sums up what Santi was just saying Agustin Sanders at left back Diego Gonzalez Alan Barrera and Aaron 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 I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah. that in Spanish Aaron. Uh, Molinas in uh, the midfield and Ezequiel Ezequiel Ceballos Eduardo Salvio and Cristian Pavón across the front so I mean the, the front three is pretty much Full strength, at least. Um, the goals came from Pavon, Salvio, Ceballos, and Gonzalez in the first half. First half. Uh, Mancuso, Pavon, Vasquez, and Bisha in the second half. And in between Boca's sixth and seventh goals, Milton Jimenez got one for Central Cordoba. Um, for whom Sebastian Rivas was playing, remember him? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Former Juventus striker. Yeah. Is he the really old one? I think he was not old that old. He was absolutely ancient for some reason. Nah. <laughs> Getting him mixed up with someone else. Santiago Silva, perhaps. Mm. No. <laughs> someone else. Both are old, but. What was, the name the, what was the name of the Patronato goalkeeper who was also a politician? Ah, uh, 
Servio was it? Yeah, no. Servio? No. No, 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 that's it. Bertoli, Bertoli. He retired and then he, he's, he's he went penalty. straight into Congress, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting Rebus mixed up with somebody, I'm sure. Anyway. So. Uh, Sosa Sanchez? Maybe? Mm. Don't know. Anyway, Boca finished fourth. Um, as I hinted earlier, nobody really particularly cares, especially when we're talking River and Boca. I don't think anybody remembers where they finish unless they win the league. Um, Especially so, in a league where the league positions only counts for the champions because yeah, exactly, people yeah. will only be um, looking at the year-long um, year-long table to, to see who qualifies for the yeah. for the cup. At the same time, though, I think you know, Boca will be moderately happy with how the, how the season ended because it looked like you know you go back to September, say October, they were out of the Libertadores. Mm. Uh, Russo just got sacked. Um, not a long so way behind sure River, that, and to finish the season with with a Copa Argentina, with you know four places in the league, yeah. uh, places in the Libertadores. Um, I think still, if you it ask, could have been a lot worse. Like, I think um, still, if, if you ask most Boca fans, they will not exactly back Batalla to to carry on as as the manager for next year. No, that's a different story. But I think he did with what he had and the tools at his disposal. I think he did pretty much as as good as he could because you know a league challenge wasn't on the cards of far too, uh, too much behind when he took over and I think making mistakes as he has and, and not exactly playing champagne football um, he's done alright like six, six, seven out of ten definitely they scored six goals in the entire Copa Argentina yeah but they were which is well they made course, him you can you can win it with no scoring goals if you uh, win every every stage with penalties, of course. Oh, yeah. uh, Which is what they did in the final. Yes. Um, against Tacheres. And against Russia. Yeah, well, we talked about that last And the same as well. We did. Yes, we did, because it was held the Wednesday before. Horrible. Um, so, yes. Uh, how many matches finished 3 2? Platense Verdes, Estudiantes, Aldo Civi, San Lorenzo, Newells, 3. Okay, that, that's a nice quick way of answering my own question. San Lorenzo v. Newells was probably um, the silliest one of those to watch because it not only saw five goals, but also three red cards. Um, one for San Lorenzo, two for Newells, and that's all I can remember about it, but my app is not updating me to tell me what actually happened and what order the goals were scored. And that's right, Newells um, went 1-0 up, but it was 2-2 by half-time with the lead having... Oh, it didn't quite change. San Lorenzo equalised twice. And then got an equal uh, a winner two minutes into the second half, so yeah. quite uneventful until there were two red cards quite late on. Um, it was some common aspirin for San Lorenzo, mm. the team, the, the club also. I, I have yeah. a friend I, I play football with, and uh, a San Lorenzo fan, and he took his his uh, son to the to the to the match to the stadium, and he said it wasn't the best time to to. To be with him because uh, the environment was quite hot. Quite Oof. a lot of people, of course, uh, uh, with uh, not their best. Uh, uh, well, insulting, the, of course, Tinelli and the well, the, the, the board members and the team, every, everyone. And they're now looking for a manager because yes. Diego Monarris was. So he was only meant to be interim, right? Yeah. Yes. But he's, always there. he's always right there to be an interim one at least. I don't know whether we've got any ideas of names, because I was about to say that just before we started recording, they were discussing it on the TV, but that was Independiente's manager, wasn't it? Yes, Santi mentioned Luis Suvalde. But he said no. Yes, that's right. 
He said that, yes, no thanks, I appreciate it. Because he's come from Lanos. He's uh, left it, Lanos. It's strange because, I mean, there was this whole uh, speculation all year round that uh, Soelia was was uh, resigning as a Lanos manager, not just because of uh, a disagreement with uh, Nicolas Russo, the chairman, but also because he was really attracted by the prospect of managing San Lorenzo. It's almost as if certain sections of the media just can't help themselves and actually don't know as much as they let on, isn't it? Perish um, shocking. But also, I, I just, I, I, I sort of mentioned this just before we started recording, that if I were a manager, I don't think I'd see San Lorenzo as by any means a, an attractive prospect. No, I mean, I mean you, yeah, they're you work for two five. months, you leave and you get a nice payoff. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. they're one of the big five. So the yeah. media are always going to talk them up and say, you know, one of the grandest, one, one manager is kind of turned down one of the grandest. But in fact, I mean, it, it, they're certainly the worst run at the moment, aren't they? And it seems really odd it's to say It's a toss-up that. between uh, San Lorenzo yeah. and Independiente. Yeah, okay, sure. yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it, it seems strange to say that, bearing in mind that they're still run by essentially the same people who took them over when they were on the border of relegation and got them their first ever Copa Libertadores, what, two years later. Um, but you can say something quite similar to Mojanos as well. Mm. It's true. But I mean, what, what, as a manager, okay, then let's bring Independiente into it as well, since we're going to be talking about them. You know, let, let, let's let's discuss their potential next managers. If you're a manager, and for a second, Santi, if you're not an Independiente fan, what attracts you to either the San Lorenzo or the Independiente jobs? Looking at who you're going to be employed by. I mean, not, certainly, because if you do a good job of it, you're set for life. You're going to have jobs. Until you retire, basically. That's I mean, how it works. Cer- certainly you're not going to be attracted by the money. No. Because, I mean, it's highly unlikely that neither club will pay you a penny for managing them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, especially San Lorenzo, who have been such a bloody meat grinder with managers, with all sorts of reputations, good and bad, coming in, trying to make their own team, suffering from such... Big intervention from the board and then failing spectacularly and getting sacked. I mean, yeah. I think it's still the prestige, though. It, it does have a cachet. Uh, coaching one of the big five, even if they're yeah, um, even if a that's complete uh, mess. It gives you a boost. And you know that yeah. next time you're available, team's looking at your CV, you've got San Lorenzo, you've got Independiente there. They're gonna, um, they're gonna be more inclined. I mean, I think, uh, some guys like say, as we were talking just before recording, uh, Almiron, who had to go at Independiente, and that clearly helped him go on to Lanús, where he did really well, and then on to Atlético Nacional, to big teams, well, Elche, elsewhere in the continent. Uh, but yeah, the thing, probably speaking specifically about Independiente, is maybe. They may have a slight advantage over San Lorenzo in the fact that they have a really good group of youngsters. Uh, unlike San Lorenzo, who are a little more dry in that uh, in that aspect, but maybe uh, someone like I don't know Almiron back back at the club or Eduardo Dominguez could be enticed by the possibility of you know shaping this youngster, this really talented group of players who are good into some uh, you know. I don't know world beaters, but some decent group of uh, players who can, at the very least, get a profit for the club in such a dire <laughs> economic situation. But for San Lorenzo, it's it's not as uh, it's not as bright in that aspect. I think. The other thing, of course, to bear in mind for Independiente is that 
a decision or an announcement before the elections it ah, seems unlikely right yes. the elections are so at the moment it looks like the elections are going to be taking place on the 29th of December is that what we said 26th uh, yeah there's not there's not a the club at the moment I think there, the, there there's not a specific date uh, set yet because I mean there's still until uh, the situation of uh, Fabian Domen's uh, party the independent traditional party is uh, clear and whether they can actually run for elections this or is not. Opposition list, isn't it? Yeah, he's one of the opposition candidates. Uh, the thing is, there's this really, really messed up situation where the 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 elections are, you know, carried out by the Junta Electoral, um, a group of people who decide and regulate the elections. Right now, the Junta Electoral is entirely composed of people from the from the ruling party, which is, you know, very democratic and very uh, transparent when you want to carry out democratic elections. So they have uh, decided that uh, the Fabian Norman's party, the, the opposition party, does not have the necessary paperwork in time to, to run, and they decided that they cannot run. So they have gone to court, and uh, some external arbitration was expected to decide whether they could run or not today. That hasn't happened yet. So right now in the paint they are in the in the middle of nowhere. We don't know exactly what's going to happen in sporting terms. For example, goalkeeper Sebastian Sosa's contract runs in, runs uh, runs out in December, and it's pretty unlikely that he will continue. Fire uh, Mutos runs uh, until June 2022, so in all likelihood, he may he may be able to sign for whoever he wants uh, in January, which will be such a desperately Awful loss for Independiente for one of. But will he will he live as a free agent? Uh, I mean, he's an Independiente player made made in in. in yeah, but um, bear in mind that uh, he will he could have joined Fenerbahce in September, and that move was blocked because uh, Independiente felt there wasn't enough money in offer, and they wanted to renew. They never did that. Uh, there was no offer actually. So if there is a clear, uh, I mean, there is a clear wish for Bustos to leave, especially for Europe, in, in, in the case that an offer arrives. So in all likelihood, I think Bustos will leave for free in June if uh, nothing is made to renew. And considering that in the opinion, we'll probably end the year without a chairman. That pretty much seems to be the case. So I don't know, man. This club. Watch this space. Um... Moving on to individuals, uh, you know, we can sort of begin a bit of a review of 2021 now. Um, I mean, the tabla annual, right, For if we're doing teams first of all, reviewing how their 2021 went, we mentioned already that Boca are going to be pretty pleased with how those ended, even if they're not necessarily going to be as happy with how it developed throughout. Colón, who we haven't talked about in... I was going to say a good while, but of course we did talk about them losing the Clásico Santa Ficino um, 20 minutes ago. Um, but you know what I mean. They've won their first ever national trophy yeah. in 2021. They'll be so happy. Good for them. Well done, Colón. Uh, Riber, obviously, are going to be delighted. They've won the league. Didn't do quite as well in the Libertadores as they've become accustomed to. But Something that we couldn't say the last time we recorded because it wasn't decided yet. Marcelo Achardo will continue at least one more year in front of... We talked about it last we week, did, yeah, we Andres. Because <laughs> it, was, it was announced about no, but an we didn't. Before. No, no, sorry. But last time you recorded. Last time you recorded, yeah. We talked about it. But you said... 
Yes. No, <laughs> you should have Dan, let Dan, me say that. Dan, Dan Tony and I uh, recorded last Friday. Yes, yeah, but we didn't oh. send an email around because it was very late notice. I um, believe you don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Disgraceful. Disgrace. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I mean, well, it's still the Antes. I've kind of, I feel like they've sw- snuck in under the radar. So yeah, they, yeah they no one that. saw them coming off. I think anyone even saw them do the Antis game all year. No. Yeah, well, I think not even they've, uh, the they've finally found a manager who is actually, you know... It's uh, Pellegrino, right? No, 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 no. Yeah. Sielinski. of course. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm saying that they finally found a manager who is actually uh, someone who subscribes to the whole ethos I mean, yeah, of the it's team. it's a match made in heaven, really. Yeah, exactly. And that's there's a clear connection with the fans and with his players. Uh, and I think that that's proven in, in the fact that he he was offered a, a contract extension despite going through a rough patch in the last few games of, uh, of the season, which was rewarded with the Copa Libertadores uh, qualification, something in the main day, of course, contributed to it as well, uh, with their poor, poor form. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a club that clearly knows um, where they stand and how to win games, uh, so credit to them. Yeah. Um, and then the, the disappointments, Actually, no, hang on. First of all, I'm going to just give a word to Gimnasia because just over a year ago, um, when 2020 ended, Gimnasia, of course, were still in the aftershock of coping with the fact their manager had just died um, and were looking to 2021 probably with a bit of trepidation. But looking at the relegation table, with a reminder that nobody is relegated at the end of this year, uh, they're nicely mid-table, which when Diego Maradona landed and took charge, and we all thought... I mean, he's going to be a great motivator. It's going to depend who's doing the tactics. It could go either way. Um, yeah, but they, 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 should have, they should have been relegated to the bottom of the relegation table. They have yeah, no yes. right at all to escape that battle, and they did. And now they're sitting. Yeah, but they didn't do it because table. of because of Maradona's, you know, uh, now as a manager. They did it because of the of his motivation. And he's delegating. Power. I mean, he he motivated the doubting the, Diego Maradona something. <laughs> Maradona probably motivated the AFA regulators to not relegate anyone. <laughs> that's that's where the motivation landed, probably. Probably. Um, but the good news for Gimnasia, though, is that at the end of the, oh no, hang on, the twenty twenty. I was going to say it gets swept off the table, but of course it doesn't because no one's relegated. So they are still going to have twenty twenty, which was the poor season, um, thanks to how it began. Uh, they finished with 24 points, but for a while it like they might be finishing with like four. Um, but they are they're, they're, uh, mid-table, 16th out of what's going to be 28. That's yeah, they're yeah, not far. Yeah, got to see revitalise that team. I think they. Yeah. Not a lot of us expected that, expected a lot from him, especially considering got to see track record. But uh, well, yeah, credit to him as well. He. He really knows how to work that team, especially considering the fact that this is probably one of the most exciting Gorosito sites in years. Always that's when you got uh, Luis Miguel Rodriguez, right? Yeah. That's always a boost. And I think yeah. that it's it, it's a nice illustration of, of how they've kind of improved that. So in, in the in the Promedio, which is the table from the twenty twenty uh, campaign what we played anyway in 2020 and the two you know the, the Copa de la Liga and the actual Liga uh, in 2021 they are 16th if you look at the tabla annual so just the matches played in 2021 they're 14th 
which shows you that 2021 is a little bit better than 2020, right? And if you look at the league, which is the second half of this year, they were 11th. So they've been slowly, modestly, but, you know, progressing each time. And, of course, they did produce just a couple of weeks ago possibly the best match of the year um, in that 4-4 draw against Estudiantes in the Clásico. Um, yeah. In the, at the bottom of the relegation table, so the ones who are going to be in real trouble in about 12 months' time, are Sarmiento de Junín Yeesh. and Patronato, both with less than one point per match, Godoy Cruz and Arsenal, and... Uh, sorry, Godoy Cruz, Aldo Civi and Arsenal, uh, going from 24th, 23rd to 22nd, all have less than 1.1 points <laughs> per match. Um, and they will, of course, be joined by... Uh, who's coming up I've forgotten Tigre and uh, Barracas or Quilmes Tigre and the winners of Tuesday's um, playoff final uh, do we know how many relegations there are going to be two. next year two relegations so they'll probably be fine so it's two up and two down next year and we're going to start um, 2023 with 28 teams still at the top I line. mean the, I think the whole idea is for uh, 2026 to come and have 22 teams but I don't know how that's going to happen if you only have two relegations so, sometimes they, they will have to somehow make uh, four relegations and two promotions. I mean, having said that, of course, at the moment, if, if you know, if Santi's saying it, then I believe him. At the moment, there are two teams being relegated in twelve months' time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that will be the case by the time that next season kicks off. No, could be four, could be zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we just don't know. Um, but essentially, if you want the full list of the teams who shouldn't be in the top flight, it's uh, rounded out by Central Cordoba and Atletico Tucumán. Those are the bottom six teams. Bottom seven teams, sorry. Yeah, they've um, been off in this the, year. Yes. In the Primera, and yeah, they have been. Um, really quite bad. Anyway, shall we take a half-time break, and when we get back, we will talk a little bit about our favourite individuals, and also, you know, in the spirit of generally reviewing the year, since this is the last episode in 2021, uh, a bit about the national team, discuss mm. how they've done in 2021. Looking Sounds forward good. to that. Uh, and we'll answer some listeners' questions, if any of you have tweeted them in. Don't go away. Individuals in the uh, Liga Profesional. This is going to be, a, I think, a pretty short conversation if we're limiting the conversation to who was the best player because, as you probably guessed if you've listened to recent episodes already, the answer is Julian Alvarez. Um, <laughs> and I don't really think there's much of a discussion to be had there. Um, 18 goals he finished with and six or seven assists. Um, but honourable mentions go to Jose Sand who became, on several occasions, the oldest player ever to score a league, a top-flight league goal in Argentina. Um, you'll remember that he did it by scoring on the opening day of this league campaign, and he scored 14 more goals after that opening one, uh, including two penalties. Marco Ruben, who didn't score, I don't think, in Rosario Central's 4-1 thrashing at the hands of Huracan this past weekend, but who did the week before that in the 2-2 draw with River become Central's all-time highest goal scorer? So there are records being broken all and down. And the first one to ever break the 100-goal barrier, which, I mean, considering 
it's a club like Rosario Central. Like, how come they never had a striker who scored yeah. more than one hundred goals? Yeah, yeah. It seems bizarre, doesn't it? And it was when when that first came up on on the television during the match. I thought that has to be like league goals only or top flight league goals only nope. or something. And I looked it up afterwards and was like, how how does that happen? That's completely weird. Um, does anybody want to, without looking it up, want to name to me the fourth highest goal scorer in the league this campaign? Uh, San Correntino Buddy Lopez. No. Okay. Nice. No, not him either. Brian Romero? No. For the record, you have just between you uh, named Lopez down at the fifth highest scorer, Ojeda, the sixth highest scorer, and Romero, the ninth highest scorer. Sosa Sanchez? Joint eighth highest scorer. Uh, no, not, ah. he's, not, he's not in the top ten, in fact. Oof. Who would it be? It's, it's not a club any of you have gone for, and it's not a club that I would have guessed if I wasn't looking at the list. Uh, the answer is Matias Tissera. Oh, <laughs> look at him. He scored 14 goals. He crept under everyone's shadow. You know. Really, he did, yes. Um, so we have to give him an honourable mention as well. Yeah, well, well okay. uh, Assists were topped in the end by Agustin Paradesino uh, and Carlos Rotondi of Defensa Justicia, both on eight. Uh, it did look for a while as if Julian Alvarez might manage to create more goals than anybody as well as scoring more um, but that wasn't to be Ignacio Malcorra Francisco Pizzini uh, of La Luz and Defensive Justicia and also Lautaro Blanco of uh, Central as a left back which is a full back yeah uh, got seven assists each and then Alvarez Fernando Suki of, of Estudiantes Gaston Gonzalez of Union Malcolm Braida which I think this is the first time all year that I'm saying his name. It's one of the greatest names in Argentine football. <laughs> yeah, of uh, Aldo Sidi. They all got six. So well oh, done yeah. now. Um, is Malcolm not in the middle? He's, he's not forward. I mean, he is in the middle. Yeah, he is in the mid-table. Right in the middle of the, of the table and, yes, but not the pitch or, I suppose, centre forward. So. Yes. The, the middle on one axis, but not both. <laughs> anyway. Um, Shall we go through a few... Big chances missed. Big chances missed. This is according to SofaScore. Marco Ruben tops that list with 13. Jose Sand with 11. And yeah, he, he did have a rough patch in the middle of the, <laughs> of the, of the season. And, and then he gets a little bit less surprising. Uh, also on 11 are Miguel Merentiel of Defensa Justicia, Ezequiel Buchaude of Godoy Cruz, and Juan Manuel Cruz of Banfield, both of whom... All three of whom, sorry, um, did not score that many goals. So. Merentiel didn't. Didn't Merentiel actually score a lot of goals in the last like ten to fifteen match weeks? No, I didn't. He was in a really hot form for the defense, sure. I think. Not sure at all. Um, let's see whether we can bring up a. Where has he gone? Oh, <laughs> oh that's a big chance created. <laughs> Silly me. Most um, penalty saved. Agustin Rossi. That is, I think, for sure, because... Hmm. Yeah, he's a specialist, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, let's see, Merentiel, statistics... He scored 10 goals. Uh, and Oh, wow, yeah, there are a whole load of them in, in the recent matches. So he scored against River, he scored the week before that against Colón, he scored against Defensa Justicia. Uh, sorry, he scored against Atletico Tucumán for Defensa Justicia. <laughs> he scored against Union, he scored two goals... Um, no, he didn't. He scored and got two assists against Rosario Central. 
Um, yeah, so that's about, what's that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, in something like 10 or 12 matches, I think. No, maybe more, 15. Yeah, 15 sounds about right. Um, well done, Santi. But, <laughs> that. Uh, penalties saved, let's see when they've got that listed. Clearances, possession lost, yellow cards, God, they've got a lot. Saves per game. Saves per game. It doesn't mention penalty saves, though. Uh, Jose, Jose Ergi. He's second. Wow. With 4.2 saves per game. There are only two goalkeepers who make more than four saves a game, apparently. That's the other good. is Rosario Central's Jorge Brown. Yeah, he was pretty good. Uh, Marcos Diaz is third with 3.3. Uh, so now you know but it doesn't mention penalty saves which is disappointing who got the most yellow cards James? Pablo Pérez no nah shockingly no, no. <laughs> yeah you know he... I'm not sure he played enough matches for once <laughs> I think he no idea had he played more matches he would have been here famous name more of a famous surname in Argentine current football terms but uh... brother of a current Premier League football player uh I thought that was going to be a giveaway. Kevin McAllister. Ah, you're right. You're right. Uh, he got 10 yellow cards. Fernando Suki, Jonathan Galvan, and Chason Gordicho all got nine. Um, I've just realised that Chason Gordicho is a midfielder who's a teammate of Nestor Ortigosa, and that somehow feels fitting. Yeah. And if you don't know why, then don't speak enough Spanish to get the joke. Sorry. Um, slight fat phobia, so I apologise. <laughs> Uh, most, oh god no some, no some of these statistics aren't really very interesting at all as if the ones I've just been going Sam? through are <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we move on to the national team gents yeah. yes please yes, let's go let's do that so as fans of in mine and Dan's case and actual citizens of uh, in Santi and Andres's case Argentina do we think that 2021 has been a successful year from the point of view of the Argentine national men's football team. Do we fuck? <laughs> You're of not course. happy with how they've gone? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to start a conversation. Everybody can have their own opinion. Yeah. I'm not going to say that if you think it has been unsuccessful, then you're a um, proper weirdo uh, who needs to uh, reevaluate. There is not a single uh, way in which you could describe this year as unsuccessful. If, even if you discount the Club America in its entirety. We've got, uh, this year has seen Argentina win some away games that they haven't won in like 10 to 15 years. I mean, main, the main example of, of all is uh, of La Paz, which uh, Argentina got the first victory since 2005. They also won in uh, Lima, I think? Uh, yes. They won in Lima, they yeah. won in Montevideo, they won at the Maracaná. <laughs> I was going to say there was one in Rio, which I would have expected to be yeah, really I mean, listed. But yeah, th this is um, this has been such a such an easy qualification process for Argentina. I mean, the ones with uh, which we haven't seen since, uh, of course, twenty fourteen, or even to the two thousand and two for for that matter. Mm. Um, I mean, to to finish the year and with more than three hundred sixty five days until the, the World Cup. With a spot guaranteed already, with five games to go, which is statistically the earliest Argentina has ever qualified to a World Cup, um, with a team that you can read the the starting lineup by by heart, uh, with uh, this 
squad of players which is in a, in a 90 to 95 percent guaranteed to play in Russia unless any injuries or suspensions or any sort of stuff happens. Uh, this is something that we never ever uh, expected to say at any point in the last uh, in the last five to ten years, I think. And, which is and the interesting thing for me, or the thing that underlines how successful it is, you mentioned the 2014 campaign in passing there, and at the end of the 2014 campaign, we you know all gathered round and recorded an episode when you were still just a baby, something, um, and and we said that you know there was some real question marks over so many bits of the pitch for Argentina and in particular the defence how on earth was the yeah, goalkeepers because, you know, goalkeepers yeah. the full backs were a disaster the centre backs weren't playing that well together and that was the main strength I mean apart from you know having the best player in the world that was the main strength um, that the team had when they actually got to uh, Brazil I mean and even if you don't uh, now there are far fewer sorry to keep talking yeah, now, yeah. That, now there are far fewer um, question marks. I mean, if you're going to be amend these plans, exactly. That, that's what I was yeah. going to say. So the, <laughs> the, the one question mark, if you were really looking half one, would be Otamendi, and yet it would be way less surprising to me if, for in a year's time, if we're talking about Nicolas Otamendi being at the, the heart of a solid Argentina defence, mm-hmm. than it would have been in June, July, 2013, to go. You know what? In one year's time, Marcos Rojo is going to be pissing all over the World Cup. You know, we, we would have just burst out laughing. Um, it, it feels... And Romero will become really an Argentina legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, uh, actually, I, I've been alright with that. I've defended him right from the start. But anyway. you, have, you have. You've been consistent mm-hmm. in... Um, I think he should still be starting. It's a real mistake to not want to go quite that far. But. I think the main the main question marks right now for the Argentina national team is the fact that we have some really really good starters in a few positions, but not enough depth. Mm-hmm. Specifically, central and attacking midfield. I think if uh, anything happened to Rodrigo de Paul or Giovanni Lo Celso, we are really really thin. That's, you're, you're that's backing them up with Eric Lamela or yeah Lamela maybe Papu Gomez yeah. But Palacios, it's, it's more, Palacios, it's more of an inside forward. Yeah, but Palacios is, I mean, he's had a lot of issues with injuries, like Alario. Striker is also another, you know, potential problem position if Lautaro Martinez, yeah. if uh, anything happens to Lautaro Martinez. Yes. Julian Alvarez will come in and score 10 goals in the World Cup. Probably. I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on where he, where he will be playing, I think, it, I think. The positive thing is that sometimes ago we didn't have even a base, and now yeah. we have it, yeah. and of course then. It's very hard to have quite even, uh, I mean, you would say two teams or, or, or players that have, well, if you, if you don't have uh, the ball, you have the other one who can play instead of him and, and he can play the same way or similarly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yes. Uh, I think this final four qualify, qualification games will be crucial, I think it, they should be. For Scaloni to try and uh, see how new recruits could be um, gelled into the squad uh, in case anything happens. Uh, for example, you have um, players like uh, Gio Simeone in hot, hot form, mm. but not even get a, getting a look in in the, in the last few squads. Maybe because, I mean, you have games like Uruguay and Brazil, which in which you meet, you need uh, the more established uh, the more established stars uh, to, to, to be there. But... Uh, when you have players like Marco Senesi and Simeone and uh, 
yeah, a lot more who are just knocking on that door, but maybe are not getting enough chances because uh, there's such a tight-knit group right now. I think this is the chance for them to um, make a statement, state the case to maybe get that spot in, in Qatar. And players that perhaps some have some time in the national team and now some, perhaps they have lowered a bit their performances like Ocampos or Foyt. Uh, I don't know if they will be taking a... Yeah, I think I still think that Ocampos should have played in the in the Copa America. I still don't know what happened for him to be cut from the squad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's also showing once again that uh, he's a really really good player, really smart, uh, a good uh, option in in any case that Di Maria uh, is not 100% fit. So I mean, even if he still has a lot of competition with Nico Gonzalez and Papu Gomez, but uh, yeah, I mean. It's a, it's a great opportunity to try some some of those uh, thinner areas of the pitch and uh, I hope Scaloni uh, capitalizes. Anyway, I said Foyt that it would be in case Molina or or Montiel doesn't are aren't good because of course if you have uh, Romero uh, that won't yeah, be I, I still think there are better players than Foyt yeah. in right back to to occupy that that's spot. But I mean in his defense he you know it's not as if he's been playing his whole career as a right back, is it? He, yeah, I mean, he has been playing more regularly as a right back for for Villarreal. Uh, after Scaloni tried him, then Emery just stuck with him at right back. Mm. But uh, I mean, I, I still think he's rather limited as a right back. So do we know how much Montiel is actually playing for Sevilla? By the way, he's playing more and more in this last couple of games. Right. Um, he's, I think he had um, an injury or something, right? That kept him out at the start. Yeah, but at the start, and well, also the fact that Jesus Navas is the captain of the team, yes. and uh, he's pretty much a Sevilla legend. But uh, I remember him, do, him playing really well against Real Madrid, except one situation where Benicius Jr. absolutely run him over and scored the winner. But there was just that one time. I mean, trying to stop Benicius when he's playing, where it's basically like trying to catch the wind. It's like Yeah, it's I mean, he, he, he proved that himself in the game against Argentina. He yes. was... Absolutely electric, is, 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 except his uh, finishing, which was really, yes. really lacking. Yeah, basically, with Vinicius, you just got to hope that he has one of those days where he can't finish a, a sad because otherwise he's just going to take the part. Yeah. He's played uh, 11 of the last 14 matches for Sevilla, by the look of it. Here, there you go. So, yeah, and uh, 8 of the last 10, I think. Yeah, I think uh, the, the whole reason why Scaloni was opting for Moneda Nosero instead of him is the fact that he wasn't getting enough games. But yeah, once he got nice. them, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Montiel has more qualities than Moneda Nosero. Yeah, he's got a higher ceiling. Um, yes. I think yeah, it's, it's fair to say. Not that Molina has been at all bad. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad that we looked into that. because We I don't have to wait too long until the next matches at the end of the January. The yeah. Band, uh, yeah, it's one of the very the ultimate January, round like of the first of February is the the, the match. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And then the Brazil game, who knows? I, I mean, I don't think the Brazil game is going to get played. No, it doesn't seem. No, I think the FIFA were just waiting until the the Both qualification spots were already, as you said before. You know, and now yeah. they're just going to be glad to give us the points anyway. Yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> more likely. Or just call it off and say no, couldn't decide. Um, <laughs> given that it was a non-footballing interruption. Uh, now we have just uh, reviewed and, and also you know, looked at the future a little bit, but we should seriously. Uh, Santi's own review of 2021 for the Argentine national team, specifically he said, even if we don't include the Copa America. So if we do include the Copa America, 
Has it been a successful year? I'd say so. And no, has it? Just about, right? Yeah. I mean, can't yes. um, Is there a little bit of regret that it was Angel Di Maria who scored the winning goal? Are we going to be that petty? I'm not. Just I mean, it right. brought him another, what, two years in the national team? Mm. Make of that what you will. Having said that, I still yeah. hold that if, I he, mean, if he'd if actually played the 2014 Had Palacio scored that chip against Germany and he will still be the num- the the Argentina's attacking forward. Sure. Would you say the same thing? If we won the cup the World Cup because of Palacio's chip and that meant that Palacio's Palacio got like two more years in the national team, would you say the same? I don't think that would have happened. I think Palacio would have retired on the spot. <laughs> said, I can't do better than this. I don't know what I'm doing here. I scored the goal. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm gonna um, I have I've, I've always thought that Palacio and also Iwain um, have been rather hard done by by, by national team fans. Um, Iguain more so than Balassio. In part though, because <laughs> to be ne- neither of them were, you know, the only people who missed gold-plated chances that Lionel Messi presented them with in that final. And I mean, okay, Iguain also got kneed in the head in the penalty box by the goalkeeper and somehow picked up a yellow card. I think Iguain might have received uh, any meme about him saying when they was happy. For Father's Day, Happy Mother's Day, because it was cruel. I mean, people, people was very, very cruel on him. And he's still really, really, funny. really, you know, emotional about, yeah, about I've that. Read, and I read how, an interview with him a few months ago, yeah. with, uh, where he said that I mean, not only was he, you know, not going to be for obvious reasons coming back to end his playing career here, even though he'd like to, but he might just never actually end up living in Argentina again because he just he can't come back into the country uh, I'm starting to get tired of that whole shtick I must say like, you said don't. it once Leave yeah it. I mean, it's I mean gonna... do you really need to keep hammering home the point like oh no they the thing is, me. Oh, the no. thing is if he keeps mentioning it people will still remember it yeah who remembers Iguain now it's like fine stay another two years in the US so yeah, you come I mean, home no one's going to say anything to I mean the, the stop only... reminding people exactly. that you missed all of these chances exactly I mean, the, the only one who's still reminding him we've got a title now it's exactly. fine yeah. done Okay, all's Finished. forgiven, you know. <laughs> yes, just stop fucking talking about it. But the thing is, I mean, if Di Maria had a redemption arc this year, with it, with the goal that sealed us um, the the Copa America against, you know, all odds, especially someone like I don't know Seba Garcia, who is probably Di Maria's biggest hater in this yes. whole country. Who do you think could or should have their own redemption arc next year? Gonzalo Higuain. That's what we just said, right? I no, mean, obviously. realistically, <laughs> got to be Otamendi, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Otamendi. shutting out Mbappe in the final ninety minutes, and then going yeah, and then scoring. scoring the last no, yeah, no, 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 no. Scoring the goal he scored against Barcelona, but this time it counts. Yes, that one. That is absolutely what's going to happen. In the header against Germany in the eighty-eight minutes in the final. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. That's the next one. I mean, it could have been a word of, but yeah, unfortunately. Yes. <sighs> On which note, um, just a perfect segue into a little bit of promotion there, Santi. Uh, if you want to support us, um, then you can get over to patreon.com slash handapod and you get lots of extra content. And among that extra content, we will be recording after this main episode um, a little bit of a uh, farewell in footballing terms, of course, uh, to Sergio Aguero, who has announced his retirement this week. So thank you for the excuse to point that out, Santi. Yeah. Um, but yes, overall, 2021, not a bad year to be a fan of the Argentine national football team. Not 
Um, and what is more important, I think, about this, of course, successful because of the title and qualifying to the uh, World Cup. But apart from that, people to be again uh, supporters to be again mm. good with the team to be at this that is also something. Yeah, everyone yeah. to be at the same boat, you know. Yes. Scaloni getting almost unanimous support and praise and. Uh, Backing. Uh, Gorosito said the other day, uh, perhaps he he started not uh, deserving the, the charge, but what he did after that was, uh, how do you say, to, para sacarse el sombrero, to leave your hat. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was worthy of yeah. taking your hat off to him. Yeah, yeah hat off. Um, yeah. Now, another thing to looking forward, in fact, looking forward a couple of years um, in the national team is, I don't know whether any of you have seen this, I saw the headline a few hours ago and clicked on it and it seemed a bit clickbaity to me, but it turned out to be an actual story. The UEFA Nations League, which is this incredibly confusing thing that a lot of our European listeners will be well used to by now, but which I still can't really get my head around. No, it seems just like a pointless um, yeah. Well, it's going to get a little bit less pointless in a couple of years' time. <laughs> we have a couple of because questions on it, actually. Have we? Yeah. No. Oh, we have questions. If you want to tie it all in. I mean, I'm looking at the... Uh, Responses to what was accidentally my tweet rather than the hand of pod tweet asking for questions, and I can't see any. Oh, there we are, yeah. Okay, I've seen one. Uh, so this will, will tie into listeners' questions, which we'll get into in a minute. But uh, yeah, in from the, I think it's the 2023 2024 edition onwards, the Commonwealth Nations will be joining the Nations League. Indeed. And I'm slightly surprised by this in a way because the Nations League was invented pretty much as a way of Europe saying, no, we don't want to play friendlies against the rest of the world, we want to play friendlies against ourselves. Um, and now they're allowing in South American countries. But only if they play in Europe. I mean, you have but to take a... if they play in Europe, which is highly, yeah. highly disappointing. Indeed. Because A, it would be really, really funny to see some of the European nations having to go to like the Colombian tropics or La Paz or whatever. And B, I would, just, I would just like the opportunity for one Group A match to be England walking out of the Monumental. Can you imagine the noise? <laughs> that would be a st- I'd love it. it would be so good. And it's not going to happen. Or Italy or Spain. I mean, there's there are yeah. just so many European nations. Yeah, no, Germany. Spain, I've, I've seen Spain at the Monumental. I, I saw that after the 20... You know, like, other countries come here and, and occasionally play for... But I, I, I want to be in the crowd when England are the away yeah. team. We actually haven't faced <laughs> England since 2005. So, mm. I mean, it's been a really, really long time since and, that And not in Argentina since when? Since then, the other footballista, right? When it was like a 3-1 win. Uh, pretty much. What was that, like 1953 or something? Or? Yeah. Um, anyway, moving on to Lister's questions, because we will be talking about uh, the Nations League in a second. Tomás Perfecto says, wishing you all a happy holiday season. Thank you very much, Tommy. I was trying to retweet that, but I went into the tweet instead, because Twitter's mobile site's a bit of a mess. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says... Who will be the 28th and final addition to the top flight? I think that he knows uh, the situation and is asking us for a prediction for Tuesday. I'm going to go with. What, don't my you want head. to do it for, for Mr. Exam? No, because uh, okay. it's just one match, there's no point. It, it, <laughs> yeah. We're all it's, going to go It's for 100% or zero. So yeah, it's, I mean, okay. I'm going to go with my head, which is that Barracas Central are going to win. I won't kill Mestor. Oh, obviously, I won't kill Mestor. Yeah, well, I think Kill Mestor are going to do it. Yeah, I think it's Barracas Central. The big match mentality Barracas Central are just awful. But they've, they got just, the, they've got the 12th man, which yeah. in this sense, unfortunately, is not the crowd. <laughs> 
I mean, they, they got it, but uh, so do Kilmist. I mean, Kilmist are also, you know, a team associated with power in Argentina. That's very true, yeah. So. Um, Liam also says, are you for or against Commonwealth countries potentially joining the European Nations League? I, I think I've just answered that question for you, Liam. I'm all for it, but they should not have to play their matches on effectively neutral territory or, or even away. Yeah, matches. I think, uh, um, bear in mind, mind also that there's something of a political backdrop in this whole decision, which is... Uh, um, the UEFA and Commonwealth versus FIFA uh, clash because of uh, FIFA's uh, intentions to hold the World Cup every two years. Yeah, and look, yes. it's, it's not every day that I will say that UEFA and Commonwealth are on the right side of an argument, but if it prevents the World Cup from being held every two years, I'm all for it. And bottom line, Argentina and Brazil have to play more European opposition. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's the main, the main you know, positive to, to take Not that they don't get Tests here are good competition, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the same. I mean, it's just, not the same. Oh, yeah, on which note, of course, the, 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 this match, the finalissima between UEFA, uh, between UEFA and Commebol, <laughs> between the champions of UEFA and the champions of Commebol, um, has been confirmed for I can't remember what date, but it's sometime in like July. And it will be held for several more years as yes, well. Yes, and it's going to be a regular thing. And uh, th this first one has been, I'm not really sure why. Uh, but has been confirmed as being held in a stadium in London. Wembley. I, I saw a couple yeah, of Wembley. headlines saying Wembley, but the, the the confirmation just says somewhere in London. I mean, obviously. So it's gonna yeah, it's going to be it's, held. It's going to be held. They're not going to be like, yeah, we're going to hold it. We're going to hold it at Plough Lane, you know. Yeah. Um, it's going to be at Wembley, but yeah, for some reason they worded it as a stadium in London. Uh, I personally, I, I think it should be home and away. First leg in Rome, second leg in Buenos Aires. Yeah, that would be, be fantastic. Yeah. That would be great. It would be far more enjoyable. For, and probably the players would enjoy it more as well. Admittedly, the clubs might not. But uh, no, I don't think clubs. about the players. You know, they, they, don't, uh, they wouldn't be so in favour of travelling from one place to another. On both occasions, I think. No. If, if I was... I mean, maybe not... I can see that the, you know, the Argentines will all be like, oh, but we play in Italy. You know, but we play in Europe anyway. Yeah. If, if I was an Italian international and I had the chance to play a competitive international... Against a South American country in South America. You think, right? Like for the Admittedly, I'm right. probably more of a, a, a nerd football wise than most football players. But then De Rossi uh, did it. Pardon? Uh, Daniele yeah, De Rossi. But, he, uh, yeah, exactly, he was delighted yeah. to no, exactly. so, so, you know, there are some who, yeah. who are. I think Italians them. generally are a bit more tuned in because they've had so many years yeah. playing alongside Argentines, Brazilians, and. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and again. But for a couple of penalties, this could have been England versus Argentina, and home and away for that would have been very fun. Very and fun. It would, uh, would it still be at Wembley? That's the question. Who had it been England knows. versus Argentina? Uh, Wembley goes into the UEFA's favourite stadium at the moment, doesn't it? After the mess and, and the recent yeah. stuff that's come out with the, the, the report on the security around yeah. the, Euro, the Euro final, for them to then just go. We're going to punish you for this by giving you this incredibly exciting and prestigious match. <laughs> That's the next thing that you're going to, that we're going to be organising. Especially considering right? the fact that Argentina will be playing at Wembley. Mm. That's not going to end well. There will, considering right. there will yeah, be Argentina fans. Fine. There will be Argentina fans. So. Yeah, but that'll be fine. Yeah, that's not going to be anywhere near as fun as. Sorry to repeat myself, but as, as England. I mean, of, of course not. Of course not. But I, I, what I'm trying to say is that UEFA have bought themselves another problem. Mm. Nah, nothing. nothing. I'd, I'd be surprised no. to be honest, especially with the kind of people who go to Argentina. Matches. We'll see in six months. And, you know, it's not going to be 
the Barra hinchadas of Indias Argentina. I think, yeah, there, there, there's, there's not going to be any adjustments of ideas, but those people will, will want to England feel England. like them. Mm, nah. I, th- I think you're underestimating or overestimating one of the two, the, the sort of Argentines who'll, who'll A, go to that match and B, live Nah, it's going to be a festival of football. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Lawrence Hart says, should Bolivia be allowed to play their Nations League games at the top of Mont Blanc? to enable them to replicate the conditions of playing in La Paz. Now, I would say that while the altitude is not too far off being correct, the, um, there's rather more snow and less heat. Uh, because, you know, yes. La Paz yeah. is in the tropics, remember? Yeah, so that, that, it, that's a good question, conditions. though. That's a good question. I mean, uh, if uh, the South American teams, when they join the, Super, uh, the, the, the Nations League, if the format of the Nations League is kept, that means that all 10 uh, South American uh, countries will be playing their home games yeah, exactly. at some random stadium in Europe. Yes, fundamentally unfair. What um, would be the highest altitude stadium in Europe? Andorra? Russia? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't really... I'd have to research. We, well, I think in England it's Birmingham, possibly, because yeah, I remember Birmingham was like the highest... City with about 400 meters altitude or something. Something silly. But it's going to be somewhere, maybe Switzerland or Andorra. Yeah, somewhere close to the mountains. But even then, Gibraltar on top of that rock. Like, you're talking. <laughs> well, Gibraltar's on the air, right next to the airport at sea level, isn't it? Pitch. I'm joking, Sam. Oh, I know they're going to put a stadium <laughs> on top of the rock. Yeah, it'd be a bit um, nicer. Yeah, it, it's obviously it's not going to be in the same stratosphere as, as La Paz, unfortunately. And, um, or even Lima. It, famously, yes. Maybe to like to replicate the conditions of Barranquilla or Manaus, they could play it in a greenhouse. Right? Yeah. Right. Just put a huge glass roof over a stadium and fill it with steam. Yeah. Think, yeah, there's, uh, there are ways to, to make it happen. Right? We'll see. And it also just means that, you know, even just the, the more boring ones, like... I mean, here, you know, Argentina don't have any particular climatic advantage. No, but unless we, we play, a group of people, unless we build uh, a fancy new hotel to play cumbia all night and sit uh, unless over. unless yeah. we build a fancy new stadium in the Altiplano. Yeah, true, um, true. And if if you're you know the Nations League organisers and you want a good PR stunt, why would you not want a Nations League match in the Centenario? Yeah, the most beautiful stadium in the world. Indeed. Insane. Anyway, Lawrence also says, Feliz Navidad from me and Hove. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Uh, my weirdest Christmas experience happened in Buenos Aires involving a broken leg, mine, and eating Christmas dinner in the gym of Mr. Miyagi's karate gym. My Argentine partner is half Japanese, I should add, and her uncle is a Miyagi by birth and runs a karate studio. There you go. Thank Whoa. you Excellent. very much for that anecdote, Lawrence. Um, and we hope that Ask the Japanese it. called Miyagi with a gym. That's that's amazing. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. Miguel yeah. <laughs> uh, is Argentino. Um, on that note, I, I think that's it. Because it's like Mystic Sound this weekend. We've already predicted Barracas. You've got two matches. Three matches. No, two, yes. Uh, okay, right. I'm going to go for, for River to beat Colón. Yes. Controversial sorry. call, I know. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Sam. You're really, you're really out there. That was Mystic Sound. Um, and as I've said... I think this is going to be the last episode of 2021. In spite of these two enormous matches that are just coming up, 
Um, I think, I hope that you will all be able to bear with us uh, until mid to late January, I guess, when we get together to well, review these two massive matches <laughs> that are going to be epoch-defining for Argentine football and also, of course, to preview uh, the next couple of World Cup qualifiers. We'll have some under-20 South American action, which is always fairly... Wait, is it going to be held? I believe so. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I completely lost track of all you know youth side uh, tournament because I mean they were all called off. I think this yeah. year they yeah, had been rescheduled as soon as as far as happened in the last week. And the under twenty, they don't have any uh, the coach anymore. Uh, as no, Batista, no, no, Macherano is the Macherano. Manager Macherano is, of, uh, yeah. of team has been, Ah, okay. Yeah, he's been officially. Yeah, and that's going to go fantastically. So <laughs> you'll be hearing from us in just over another month and we'll let you know just how fantastically Javier Mascherano's managerial career uh, is going. <laughs> Possibly with a few laughs in between. Um, what are you looking for, Dan? Uh, just seeing if it has is indeed going to be played um, this year. What I don't know, of course, given the current numbers and how they're looking, is whether we're going to be recording in person next time we record. Um, Omicron, hasn't, Omicron doesn't seem to have arrived in big numbers here yet, but watch this space. You know, we're talking a month into the future. We're talking up to the Christmas holidays have gone. Um, yeah, it's still to me in, in so mind the fact that um, I mean there's a decent uh, vaccination uh, percentage in Argentina as well. So yeah, I was trying to look today at um, statistics for um, boosters, mm-hmm. and I actually managed to find. Managed to find numbers. It's about uh-huh. 1.5 million have been given out. Here so in Buenos Aires, it, Buenos Aires, like, uh, I mean, Ciudad de Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires City, I, I heard that they, we have already 20% of people vaccinated with third doses. Or mm. the, with a booster. The yeah. booster, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it's something like 92% of the city yeah. of Buenos Aires is vaccinated with two doses now. Which is 92% of the city with two doses. Kind of, oh, it might be 80%, sorry, it's 92% with one dose uh-huh. and about 80 odd percent yeah. with... Yeah, that's a really two. good uh, figure compar- comparing that to Europe. Yeah. But there's a uh, um, more prominent anti-vax movement. But all the same, when it gets here, uh, it's. I, I think at some point I'm expecting that we'll have to go back to recording over Zoom. Hopefully, we won't have to cut off recording altogether because hopefully they'll be able to keep football going. But we'll see. Uh, you'll be hearing from us again in just over a month when it will be a whole other world, a whole other year, and you know, don't get your hopes up too much because it's likely to be just as shit as this one. But anyway, on that optimistic note, uh, thank you very much for listening to us for another week, for another month, and indeed for another year. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Santi. See you around, guys. From English Dan. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.